Wake up, West Georgia. It's time for the podcast powered by coffee and Mountain Dew. The Morning Five with Bryce Sparling and Billy Lindahl. Good morning, West Georgia. Welcome in to the Morning Five. Today is Monday, May 8th. And as always, it is brought to you by the Parian Lawyers. Nobody wakes up thinking, man, I hope I hire a lawyer today. But hey. Life happens. Don't call one of those big law firms with overused slogans and thousands of billboards. We have a top-notch law firm right here in West Georgia. The Parian Lawyers with offices in Carrollton and Bremen. Personal injury, workman's comp, and everything in between. Find them at callcadenow.com. That's C-A-L-L-C-A-D-E-N-O-W.com. Local lawyers, catchy slogans, a few billboards, big results. Billy, today is National Coconut Cream Pie Day. Let's go. I could eat some coconut cream pie right now for breakfast. Yeah, yeah I'm, da- I'm down. I'm down with coconut cream pie. I'm a big fan of cream pies. Um, and, you know, as I've stated on this podcast many times before, I love coconut. Like, I know a lot of people don't like the texture of coconut, like shaved coconut. Um, they might like the taste, but they're not huge fans of the texture. I love anything coconut, like uh, coconut milk, coconut water. Is one of the most refreshing things, despite Casey Bass making fun of me for drinking coconut water at a uh, Villarica baseball game this year. It, it's phenomenal. I love coconut water. I love coconut milk. I love coconut cream pie. Anything with coconut in it, I am 1,000% down for. But you're right. I mean, cream pies overall are phenomenal, all, all types of them. So it's uh, coconut cream pie is, is really good, though. So I think cream I'm, pies are underrated, honestly. I mean, uh, yeah, absolutely. you know, it, that's it's not brought up enough. I think cream pies are are an underrated uh, dessert food, obviously. Um, sure. Yeah, yeah, big fan of it. Billy, what I'm also a big fan of is the Braves taking two out of three versus the Orioles this weekend. And the one game that they did lose, it's an anomaly, man. I'm going to write it down as an anomaly. Uh, Braxton and me and Grace were talking about it, and they were getting all bent out of shape and hussy and fussy about it. And I was like, listen. Max Freed before the Friday night game where he had a bad game. Uh, you know, it is what it is. Before that, I think he went like 12 or 16 straight innings without allowing an earned run, something like that. Yeah. It, it, it was, you know, he, he was on a great streak. Braves fall 9-4 to four Friday night. Freed didn't have his best stuff. Freed went six innings, gave up eight hits, uh, five earned runs, and seven Ks. Not great for Max Freed, but, dude, dude you're going to have you're gonna have those. It's a long season. You know, I say this all the time when we get injuries and, you know, uh, when when pitchers don't do well, one or two starts or whatever, you're going to have these. You're going to have, I mean, I mean, his his ERA is still at a 2.08 and his whip is still at a 1.08 despite uh, the bad game on Friday night. It's one of 162. Bingo. You know, Bingo right there. You've, you've got to understand that. And the more that you understand that, the better that you'll understand baseball. Yep. And... I guarantee you every single Braves player is saying the same thing. It's one of 162. And they came out the next day and the next day and and took care of business. So let's just remember that. Plus, let's not forget, this Orioles team is really good this year. Very good team. Really good good team. team. First in the AL East. That team is, no, second in the AL East. Oh, excuse me, second. I forgot forgot about Tampa's insane start. My bad. Yeah. Tampa's ridiculous right yeah, now. Yeah, Tampa's nuts. <laughs> but they are, that lineup is ridiculously deep, like really deep. Um, so it's it's insane how good this team is, but 
I'm impressed with how well they played this weekend, especially against the Orioles. I mean, uh, you know, against the Orioles, but uh, I'm really happy with how they played overall. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, the, the Braves fall nine to four Friday night. Murph had all four RBIs uh, for the Braves. He's I don't know if he's quietly been really picking it up or if people have noticed it as much as, much as we have. Um, but over the past, I would say probably month, Sean Murphy has been one of our better hitters. I mean, he's he's almost hitting up over 300 now. He's tied for seventh with nine home runs and tied for sixth with 28 RBIs. Billy, he's tied. He's in second. He's alone in second right now in OPS at a 1.048. I mean, I mean, Sean Murphy has been uh, just hitting the lights out of the ball after kind of a slow, I would say what, probably a slow first two weeks of the season, two to three weeks of the season. Week he's half, really ramped maybe. it up. Yeah, he's yeah. really ramped it up, man. Yeah, he's starting to get comfortable in Atlanta, and the more that we see it, it's it's getting better. He's he's a great behind the plate. He's already thrown out runners. I love that. You know, you don't see that very much the last couple of years. No offense to, to Little D and, and company, but... Whoa, you got something bad to say about Tyler Flowers? <laughs> I... I could go on and on, um, but yeah, he's he's been playing phenomenally, and I, I love it. And I, I guess I didn't realize how young he was. He's only twenty eight, dude. Yep. I, I didn't I didn't realize he was that young for some reason. So good to see out of Murph. Braves come back on Saturday, win five to four. Uh, Pilar with two RBIs, Acuna, Rosario, and Azuna all added in an RBI. Talk about another guy that's gotten hot over the past couple of weeks. Who's this Azuna dude that just seems to get RBIs just about every single game? <laughs> don't know, man. It's weird as hell. It is so weird. <laughs> I don't know if he's, like I said, you better start like looking for a trade partner now. Like, get rid of him now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. He's he's raised his batting average to 146, Billy. I mean, you know, if he keeps playing like this, he might be hitting over 200 by the time we get into next week. Um, six much. home runs, nine RBIs, and just about all of those have come in the past six games. Uh, Strider went five innings, gave up two earned runs, and struck out ten. I think that's like eight starts in a row where he struck out eight or more batters or something like that. Uh, just an, an insane stat from Spencer Strider, who continues to be, in my opinion, I, I think, you know, I don't I don't want to take anything away from Max Freed, but in my opinion, Spencer Strider is our ace right now. I can't go that far. I think Strider is really good. Um, I'm not sure he's our ace. Like he's the problem with with Strider is the fact that he he just extends so much energy and can't go deep enough early on. That's um, not good when you can't go deep enough. No, I I hate when he can't go deep enough. So it's um, he's at fifty sixty pitches and by the third inning, you know what I mean? And it's yep. just that's a problem and I understand he's that's the type of pitcher he is but I can't call him an ace you know when he when you're not that efficient if yeah. that makes sense no no I, I'm 1000 I get it I get it uh I mean every you look at the innings pitched five five six five five six he's only had one start all year where he's gone more than six innings and it's because of the way he pitches that's the pitch count that he racks up it's because he has so many K's he has to expand a lot, expend a lot of energy, like you said, and striking out everybody. So I understand that he's four and zero right now. The two point seven ERA, uh, the majority of that two point seven came in a couple games with a zero point nine three WHIP. 
I mean, that is that that's absurd right there. 67 Ks on the year. So I understand I understand your point of view. 100 percent understand your point of view. Um, and maybe that's something, you know, you look at his pitch count and every single game he's up near 100. So maybe that is something once we get to the playoffs that he can get he can go 120 in a playoff game and get into the sixth or seventh inning. We'll just have to see. Nice to see Rysel Iglesias get his first save of the year also on Saturday night against the Orioles. Yes. And we're starting to get healthy, which is yes, awesome. We are. Yes, it is. Oh, so awesome. And little then, D is little D is starting to do baseball activity. He's Yes, see, he's, that's great to see, man. After all those concussions, it's great to see. Yes. Um I thought he was know, done. I thought his career was over, to be honest with you. RCA got reinstated this weekend. Um Oh, bless, man. It's yeah, so good that's, to see. that's another topic we're going to talk about after uh, after this Sunday game with the uh, the whole shortstop stuff going on right now. Um, right. But Braves do win 3-2 to two on Sunday and 12. They, they played a lot of innings. Uh, I didn't watch uh, any of this. Didn't watch a single second of it because racing was on all day on Sunday. And it was, uh, it was a great Sunday for racing. So I didn't see this. I just saw the updates. Uh, Olsen with an RBI, and I did see Michael Harris's game-winning hit. He got the RBI in the bottom of the 12th inning. Bryce Elder, five and a third, only one earned run in four Ks. That's great to see out of Bryce Elder. Heck yeah, man. Bryce Elder continues to impress. He's he's coming out there and, and pitching lights out right now, which is awesome to see. Um, Ronald Acuna Jr. with another outfield assist. And he just, third base. Just Ozum. absolute gun it's ridiculous um yeah i i Bryce played well again and it's you'd love to see it you know and we're continuing to be in first place where are we at now so five uh, games up or six we are seven games up billy oh we are seven games up on the baby yes sir uh yeah i mean elder played well acuna with somebody tried to test his arm again in right field i don't know if people just don't watch tape on acuna or they just don't understand how good he is. I'm not sure. I don't understand why people keep doing this. Um, and then our pin. I mean, our pin pitched seven and two thirds innings and didn't give up a single run. Like, I, I mean, that's amazing. That's that's absolutely amazing out of our pin. It's great to see that. What is, uh, do we know what um, what Acuna's at stolen base-wise for the year? Let's see if I can figure he it out here. 14 or 15 last I checked. He is at 15 right now. 15 right now. Only yeah. caught stolen twice, so... That's uh that's pretty awesome. He's gonna his career high is thirty seven in two thousand nineteen. He's gonna blow past that this year, uh, in my opinion. And, and, and Billy, you talked about Orlando Arcia getting healthy. Uh, the Braves yesterday reinstated Orlando Arcia from the injured list. The club optioned infielder Von Grissom down to AAA. Man, I, I tell you, Von Grissom does not look ready to play shortstop in the big league. Um, and and honestly, he doesn't even look close to being ready. No. He doesn't. And, you know, that's one of those things that if we're going to keep on Grissom, I don't think it's going to be a middle infielder. Um, we may have to adjust him to maybe a left field or a corner outfielder. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, I mean, maybe or a DH. I don't know if it's bad. I mean, he was hitting 277 up here. So, I, I yeah. But, dude, on Saturday, I don't know if I've ever seen this. I seriously cannot remember. I tried to rack my brain to see if I could ever remember this happening. Von Grissom was pulled in the game on Saturday as a defensive substitution for Brandon Shoemake. When's the last time you ever saw a shortstop pulled in the big leagues for a defensive substitution? For a rookie. Yeah. 
like rookie rookie being pulled for a rookie at shortstop it's i, I can't i can't tell yeah. you the why i don't i don't know if i've ever seen that happen i i just i mean i mean von grissom's defense is a liability right now it's great to have orlando rc a backup and Braden shoemake uh, he has to get a shot as the backup to orlando rc if he stays up with the big league we'll see what happens with the roster but uh yeah von grissom not impressive man in his uh and his sort of big league, not debut necessarily, but, you know, filling in for Orlando Arcia. Yeah, there's so no nice, doubt. Nice to have him back. Nice to have him back. Uh, Billy, the Braves, uh, the Braves are a bright spot in Atlanta. Thank God. Atlanta 90 goes down to enter Miami and falls to Joseph Martinez. Two to one. Joseph Martinez scored a brace versus Atlanta United. It wasn't a penalty. I'll go ahead and say that right now. Ruiz went in the box looking for contact, which, which was supposed to be Per the refs and per the MLS to begin the season, it's not supposed to be called. That was one of the things they were trying to eliminate from the MLS was when strikers intentionally went into the box looking for contact, they were not going to call those penalties. That's exactly what happened on uh, again for Atlanta United this weekend. Ruiz went into the box looking for contact. Plus, when the contact happened, Ruiz didn't have possession of the ball. Penalty still called. Um and, and Joseph Martinez buries it, does what he does. Billy, one of the most disappointing things I think I saw all weekend was the fact that Joseph Martinez celebrated the way he did against his former club, almost ripped off his shirt, jumped on top of Yedlin. Um, you never see that in soccer. Like you do when a, when a club legend goes to another club and scores against his former club, which happens quite a bit in soccer, you never, ever, ever, ever ever see them celebrate it does not happen in soccer it does not happen in soccer across the world you can go to the premier league la liga Serie A, the bundesliga whatever whatever top class soccer league you want to watch across the world it doesn't happen and pretty disappointed in joseph martinez that it did happen combine the celebration with some of the comments that he's made about atlanta united since being in inner miami dude that uh that statue might be further and further away from being built for Joseph Martinez. Yeah, it's disappointing, man. There you A, you hate to see them lose in the way that we lost. B the way that Joseph acted was just ridiculous. I don't know, man. Like it's I, I get it to an extent because you and I are very petty people that we love to like rub it in thing rub in things like that, but it's not not like that. And it was no. just it was over the top. Yeah. I mean, uh, just think about if, if if Freddie Freeman or Dansby Swanson hits a home run at Truist Park when they're there. Are they going to celebrate that like it was the biggest home run of their career? No, they're not. And it doesn't happen in soccer. It doesn't happen across the world. So, I mean, a little. I'm not disappointed that Joseph Martinez scored two against Atlanta United. He played well coming in as a sub. I mean, he hasn't scored all year long, and he got his uh, 99th and 100th overall uh, goals in the MLS against Atlanta United. Kind of poetic, but the fact that he celebrated the way he did, slightly disappointing. Uh, Tactics-wise, from Gonzalo Pineda, the last corner of the game, what the hell are you doing? Like, what was that? Why call the keeper up and get everybody into the box for the last corner of the game and then take a short corner to Almada, who's outside the 18-yard box for a shot? Like, what, what tactically wise was going through Gonzalo Pineda's head to call up the keeper and then not even send the ball into the box in the corner. Why, why take a short corner there? If you're going to take a short corner, why call up the goalkeeper? I, I don't 
I didn't understand that. No off-ball runs. Billy, I got something called the horseshoe of death passing. That's what Atlanta United does. When there's no off-ball runs, uh, there's no urgency, no one-two passing, just kind of sitting back there and waiting. No balls over the top. It's a little horseshoe of passing. They go from uh, they go from left back to midfield to midfield to right back, back to midfield, over to midfield, back to left back. It's a horseshoe of death. And that's what I'm going to start calling it when Atlanta United just passes it around with no urgency, no teeth, no nothing. Machop Chol and Miguel Berry, uh, they can go to hell. Um, they're absolutely useless. They're pointless. I don't know why they're on the field. We have no backup for Gigi. I mean, without Yakamakas on this team, it's terrible. It is a it is a mid-tier team at best without Yakamakis out there. I mean, there's there's no attack. I don't understand how how the front office is is not able to sign a decent backup striker. I just don't understand that. I think Dom Dwyer is actually still out there as a free agent. So maybe we can go get him. Uh, Gutman and Lennon were absolute workhorses. Credit where credit is due. Both worked very hard. Gutman with the only goal of the game for Atlanta United. Both Gutman and Lennon uh, played their hearts out against Inter Miami this this past weekend. Uh, stats were like this: shots were 17 19 or 17 to nine in favor of Atlanta. Shots on target were five three in favor of Atlanta. Possession with 56 44 in favor of Atlanta. Key passes were 16 to eight in favor of Atlanta. Expected goals were 1.37 to 1.08 in favor of Miami. And Billy, kind of the stat that shows off what Atlanta United lacks when Yakamakis is not on the field. Atlanta United has had seven shots on target in the past three games without Yakamakis on the field. Yakamakis is the key to Atlanta United's success. We've got to get him healthy and on the field because without him, we have no shot at winning any game. And you you just mentioned it though. Seven shots on target in the last three games. Five of them. Five of them this game. Yeah. So only two shots on target the last two games. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Horrible. Um going going back to that horseshoe death comment, is that not very much the same thing of what uh, Atlanta United was doing last year. Uh-huh. That was just, yeah. That And we thought early on that we were getting away from that, especially with, with how Tiago Almada was playing. I, I don't know, man. Like, that's that's ridiculous. I, yeah. I agree with you. It's, it's tough for you. It's tough for Almada because there's nobody up front to push the attack. There's nobody up front testing the back line of the other team. I'm, I'm telling you, without Yakramaki's, this team is a is a mid-table team at best. Uh, I mean, Miguel Berry and Machop Chol are just, they're terrible. I mean, they are they are literally awful strikers. So, yeah, without without Gigi up top pressing the defense, it's it's a horseshoe of death passing uh, back and forth. It's the, it's the 2022 Atlanta United, unfortunately. Yeah. Billy, something I heard on the radio yesterday that, that really just blew me away. I, I don't understand this. And and the question has come up a couple times. Should the Hawks trade Trey Young? Um, and I'll give credit to John Fricky, who was the one on 92.9 that was kind of spearheading this conversation. They, they came up with the topic and they were taking calls. Should the Hawks trade Trey Young? And the sentiment among most of the Hawks fans that, tr- that called in was, yes, you should trade Trey Young. Billy, uh, to, Fricky's, to Fricky's credit, John Fricky was essentially telling all these fans that you're crazier than hell if you think the Hawks should trade Trey Young. A, he is the second best player in Hawks franchise history behind Dominique Wilkins. B, the return on Trey Young right now is going to be horrendous. The guy is owed $40 million next year. 
there's there's no way that you can get the same type of uh, you know quality back into the squad as you're giving away with Trey. And C, Trey and his dad have both said the best thing that had happened to Trey Young so far in his NBA career is Quinn Schneider coming in as head coach. And I don't think Quinn Schneider would have came on as head coach for the Atlanta Hawks if he thought that Trey Young was going to be traded in the offseason right, right after the first half season he 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 coached. So I I, so, I sort of I, I think everybody knows where I stand on this. I want to get your opinion. Should the Hawks trade Trey Young, Billy? I've been back and forth on it. Um, honestly, it's. Uh, I think we should get a pretty good return on it. I think Trey is, is very valuable, but at the same time, I don't think it's going to be good enough. So it's it's just one of those things that I don't know, man. Like it's it's tough to see how Trey was playing last year. It wasn't the Trey Young that we're used to. Um, you know, he would have games where he would light it up, and then he would have games that was not Trey Young at all. Um, like, like, he had a career low in three-point shots made this year. It's just like, what the hell happened to him? I, I don't know, man. It's, it's going to be tough. I want to see what he could do with Quinn. And before making that decision, maybe maybe we can re revisit this topic in in uh, next year around the trade deadline. But right now, I don't think so. I don't think we need to trade him. Yeah, and to your point, he made 154 threes this year. Uh, that was down from 233 from last year, but he attempted 150 less threes this year than he did last year. The percentage is what I'm worried about. He went from 38% at threes to 33% at threes this year. But this is the stat right here that I think not enough people take into consideration. Trey Young has led the NBA in assists the past two years. 737 last year and 741 this year. That right there, and you look at his points, he's gone from 19 to 29 to 25 to 28 to 26. That's not a great trend. But once again, I think people are missing the stat that is most important, and that's the assist per game number. He's gone from 8.1 to 9.3 to 9.4 to 9.7. This year, 10.2. He has started to average a double-double every single game is his average. I mean, he's up over 10, 10.2 assists per game this year. I think that is what fans should focus on, and I think that's what Trey should focus on. I think Trey needs to be a facilitator. Right. When, when he needs to make shots, he can take shots or whatever. But I, I would love to see Quinn Schneider move Trey into a more facilitator role, which I think is what he excels at. And I'd love to see Quinn Schneider surround Trey with more shooters. Um, you know, I, I think that I think that's what Atlanta United's offensive game plan should be is is Trey and either Clint Capella or Nyakai Konglu in the paint and then three shooters. Three three-point shooters. I don't care if you know whatever they if they if they can play defense, great. But it should be it should be Trey and one of our two big uh, centers, and then three shooters on the floor. And I think that's a recipe for success. Trey can uh, uh, Trey can dribble drive, kick. He can dribble drive and throw an alley oop to CC or OO. Um, I think the team, the way it's currently constructed, is doesn't play well to Trey's strengths, in my opinion. Uh, I I don't want to trade Trey. Everybody knows this. Everybody that's listening to the podcast knows my opinion on Trey. I'm a huge Trey fan. Second greatest Hawk player of all time. Second greatest Hawk player of all time. And I don't want to see the Hawks treat Trey Young like they did Dominic Wilkins at the end of his career. 
um, right. or, or the end of his career with the Hawks. Uh, so no, I am I am on the no trade Trey train at the moment. All right, Bryce. Let's take it to the Marine South scoreboard from the weekend. Uh, on Friday, the NBA Celtics beat the 76ers 114 to 102. That series is now tied two games apiece. Nuggets fall to the Suns 121 to 114. Denver leads it. Is tied with that series, also two games apiece. In the NHL, Devils fall to the Canes six to one. Carolina leads two games to none in that series. On Saturday, the Knicks fall to the Heat one hundred five to eighty six. Miami leads that series two to one. Warriors fall to the Lakers one twenty seven to ninety seven. And the Lakers lead that series two games to one. The Oilers beat the Golden Knights in the NHL on Saturday night five to one. High up that series, the Knights just looked awful they were the passes were ridiculously terrible the goaltenders were just playing out of spot and it was it was bad for the for the knights good for the oilers bad for the knights on sunday the nba uh celtics fall to the 76ers 116 to 115 um i guess it remains two games apiece or was it two to two on on uh, two games to one on Friday, Price. It was. I think it's two one now. The series is two one now. Well, it says two to two. Though the Celt- yeah, oh. yeah. So the, so the yeah the Celtics the Celtics at seventy sixers is two to two now. So okay. yeah, it was two yeah. it was two one on Friday. Okay, Celtics and seventy sixers two games apiece, and Nuggets and Suns two games apiece on Sunday. Devils beat the Canes uh, eight to four. Carolina leads the series two games to one. Leafs fall to the Panthers three to two. Um, or yeah, Leafs fall to the Panthers three games to two. Florida leads that series three games to none, and the Stars fall to the Kraken seven to two last night. Uh, Seattle leads that series two games to one. On the Smith floor covering games and events calendar for tonight uh, in the NBA. Knicks at the Heat, Miami leads two games to one. Warriors at Lakers, Lakers lead that two games to one. And then the Golden Knights in the NHL will face off at the Oilers uh, with series tied one apiece. Billy, what's what's up with that Devils, Canes, and Stars uh, cracking eight to four and seven to two? That is um that's absurd. That's that's crazy stat line. Yeah, that's not that's not playoff hockey. No, it's that's not. not. Playoff hockey's uh, three to two, two to one, you know, stuff like that. It's eight to four, seven to six. No, Mm-mm. that's nope. that's not what I expect out of playoff hockey for sure. That is nuts, man. No. <laughs> Billy, let's get to another cup of coffee, man. You need one? Oh, I need something. Yes, please. Another cup of coffee brought to you by Realtor Hannah Strawn with Robert Goolsby Real Estate Group. Billy, seven horses have died at Churchill Downs since the start of Kentucky Derby Week. Uh, a, a Kentucky Derby weekend that saw the favorite Forte get stra- scratched the morning of and Mage, a 15-1 to dog, win the Kentucky Derby. What's up with all the horses dying at Churchill Downs, man? Um, I, I don't know. And again, I I think I told you this on Friday. I didn't watch a second of the therapy. Really? Not a single second. Oh, nope. man. Mage came back on the front stretch from like P6 and came back and won it. It was, it was 
arguably the greatest Kentucky Derby I've ever watched in my entire life. Possibly. I'm trying to think okay. back. That's yeah, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this is the greatest Kentucky Derby I've ever seen in my entire life. A 15 to 1 dog, uh, or uh, underdog horse. I don't know if you can call a horse a dog. Uh, but came back 15 to 1 was the odds. Came back from P6 in the final front stretch. I mean, just absolutely jetted past the uh, leaders. Probably the best Kentucky Derby I've ever seen in my entire life. It was pretty crazy. But yeah, seven horses have died all week. That's uh, that's weird. It's not great. Nikola uh, Jokic was teed up after making contact with the Suns owner, Matt Ishbia. Have you seen this yet, Billy? Hey, why are you pulling the ball away from the player? Like, what are you doing? I don't that's, know. This is, this is on the Suns owner. Jokic A thousand percent agree. Trying to, this is trying to get the ball back. Yep. And he's being a dick. Yep. No, this is... Uh, Jokic should not have been teed up for this. This is... A thousand cool. percent agree. Thousand, did you see the uh, Matt Ishbia flop when Jokic just barely touched him with his left yes. hand? And, yep. uh, dude, he, it's soccer flop. I mean, a full-on Italian soccer flop over there by the, by the Suns owner. That was... One of the worst tees I've ever seen in my entire life. And it just goes to show that the NBA is completely rigged. No, it's Matt Ishbia pulled a LeBron. Yeah. That was yeah. that was 100% LeBron. <laughs> pulled pull a Neymar. Um, it, it, it just goes back to my, you know, when I was the Hawks-Celtic series. The NBA just, I mean, you watch it. Just watch it. It looks rigged. I mean, every time you watch it, it looks rigged from the NBA point of view. Uh, and, I mean, we've had, we have former refs coming out and said that they've rigged games because of betting. So... Uh, not a great look for the NBA, dude. Not a great look. Uh, the Colts' Jim Ursay warns teams about Andrew Luck's uh, Andrew Luck contact. Apparently, last year, the Washington uh, Commies contacted Andrew Luck about possibly coming back to play quarterback for him, and uh, that Jim Ursay wanted to let all of the NFL franchises know that any contact between a franchise and Andrew Luck would be considered tampering and it would uh, clearly violate the league's tampering policy. Uh, do you buy or sell Andrew Luck ever coming back and playing quarterback in the NFL again? Sell. Yeah, me too. Yeah, He's not coming I'm, back. No, he's done. He's uh, he's absolutely done. But yeah, kind of a... Why can't the Colts get out of the headlines for odd headlines like this? Like, it seems like every single week it, there's something else. Because Jim Irsay is... That's, that's very true. Oh, yeah. wackadoo. Jim Irsay is Jim Irsay. That's true. That's very true. On a bit of a somber note, Billy, Nick Gilbert, son of uh, Cleveland Cavaliers owner Dan Gilbert, has passed away at the age of 26. Um, It was a a lifelong battle with neurofibromatosis. I know they've mentioned this a couple times. I listened to 97 won the fan up in Columbus, Ohio. I know know they mention this uh, every now and then about, you know, Nick Gilbert's kind of battle with this. So T's and P's to the whole Gilbert family, everybody associated with the Cavaliers and all that. That's a, that's tough to lose a son at the age of 26, man. Absolutely. T's and P's. Yeah. Uh, Denny Hamlin wins at Kansas, Billy, but the big headline was Ross Chastain and Noah Gragson getting into a fist fight on pit road. Something that I know will go over quite extensively um, on track talk. This, uh, I, you know, I kind of saw this question posed. Do you think, and I'll ask Matt Ridgway this too. I wonder if Ross Chastain is going to be the savior of NASCAR with his on track and off track antics. I, I would be lying if I told you I had any analysis on this. I didn't watch any bit of this this racing, so 
I was at a baseball field all day yesterday. I didn't see anything. Uh, Billy, I will tell you this, and we'll go over it more on Track Talk. The race at Kansas was the best mile-and-a-half race I've seen at a NASCAR in probably 20 years. Really? Uh, yes. One of the best races I've seen at a NASCAR in roughly 20 years. Uh, for, at a mile-and-a-half track. Um, it was really good. And uh, Noah Gragson and Ross Chastain ended it off with fireworks. <laughs> this is a fist fight ensued. <laughs> Uh, Billy, and today in 2010, the last piece of Yankee Stadium fell in the Bronx, marking the end of a two-year demolition process. The house that Ruth built was torn down. You hate to see it. Tears. Sad. I hate it. That was sad. Yankee, new Yankee Stadium, though, is pretty nice. From pretty what nice. I've seen. Yeah, yeah, pretty nice new stadium. Uh, Billy, we are 88 days away from the NFL kicking off, 89 days until high school football kicks off, and 111 days until college football kicks off. We are on the countdown. We only have to endure baseball for another 88 days until we football are, starts back We up. are under three months away. <laughs> and we have spring practice going uh, going all around here for our local high schools. I'm going to get out yeah, there and watch some spring Two of our teams have a spring game. Only two? Is that it? I think so, yeah. I mean, most of them will take the two scrimmage games at the beginning of the season. You can have a spring game if you and have two scrimmage games. So I think two of them are having um, a spring game. I know Temple and Central are having a spring game. Uh, yeah. Villarica was supposed to, but I don't, I don't think they are. I think the team they were supposed to play pulled out or something. I, I know there was some some stuff going on with that uh so yeah we're getting we're getting close to uh to football season man you got anything else to add today no man let's get out of here enjoy our monday let's get out of here enjoy our monday nice start to the week uh start of the week that's going to be warm with some uh typical kind of spring thunderstorms moving through every now and then but uh it's supposed to be warm in between those thunderstorms it's going to be nice and we have some big games on wednesday for high school baseball that we will break down Wednesday morning. We're going to have a full analysis on all the games, big games on Wednesday. Elite 8 matchup, but we will review that in a couple days. For Billy Lundahl, I am Bryce Farling. We will see you all tomorrow morning. Same time, same place. Shake your neighbor! Just shake them! Shake your neighbor!